I will be reading Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8 from the message. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Amen. But Tuesday morning, Danelle, my secretary, was more than just a little emotional, and for good reason. She was paid a visit from one of her neighbors whose name is Sonny. She left the back door of her home open, letting in the cool 50-degree air that we were blessed with Tuesday morning, yay God, when Sonny decided it was an open invitation for him to come in and greeted her while she was putting on her mascara in the bathroom. Now, before she could speak, Sonny mentioned the kind of day he was having when he simply said in one word, rough. And he repeated himself, rough, rough. <laughs> Danielle then informed me that uh, his one-word greeting was not accepted very well by her, and so she said to him, get out, get out, get out. And then Sonny, the neighbor's dog, complied. But as he made his exit, Hank, Danielle's dog, came to find out what all the noise was about. And the fight was on. All over the hall, through the living room, out through the kitchen, both of the dogs went at it ferociously. And as she was telling me the story, I'm telling you the truth, here's where Danielle became so emotional she had to get up and leave came back a little bit later and told me her 12-year-old canine protector had gotten hurt badly by the neighbor's dog. She was able to steer the fight outside, yes, separate the two and send Sonny back, yes, back next door where he belonged, but um, Hank didn't do so well. She took him back home, doctored him, loved on him, and then she came to work. That was how Danielle's Tuesday started. And then it took a turn for the worse from there. She found out when she got to the office that the sermon that I had preached last Sunday, entitled, Like a Good Neighbor, had a little bit of a glitch in it. When the online version was played, it was out of order. Somehow the system glitched, caused the last half of the sermon to be played first and the first half to be played last. She spent the better part of the day getting it spliced and putting it together, but in doing so, she <laughs> we couldn't help but notice, listened to my sermon over 30 times from her desk trying to get that thing spliced together, after which our staff gathered around her just to pray. It's because there's not a sermon sportsman has heard three times in his life of my own that I'd want to hear three times, let alone 30 times. Let me ask a question. Are you getting from what I've told you so far, Danielle had a rough Tuesday? Oh. She came in Wednesday morning, and I asked how Hank was doing, and she said, fine, much better. But she said, I can't tell you, I can't wait to tell you about what happened when I went home after work and went and talked with my neighbor. She said, as you can imagine, I drove home with Sunday's message that I'd heard 30 times playing in my head. And she said, but I have to confess, it took that level of hearing that message for God to finally get through it. 
because while I was driving, he said, don't you think it's about time that you made some contact with your neighbor? And so she did. She said, I went over and I told him about my visit from Sunny that morning, but then we talked about so much more. Now I got to hit pause on that story. There's at least half of that again left. But I want you to know if you're thinking that she went over there to give the neighbors a piece of her mind, she didn't. In a few moments, I hope to tell you the rest of the story about how she gave them a piece of her heart and how that's changing their neighborhood even as we speak. But for the next few moments, I want to hear from Scripture once again what it means to love your neighbor. And it comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, as Jesus is giving his disciples two metaphors that he would like for them to, to begin to think about in regards to this kingdom that he has said is coming and is indeed among them. He gives them two metaphors about what this might look like, what it might feel like to have the king's reign and rule permeate the world. He asks the question, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, he said, which a man took and planted in his garden, and it grew, and it became a tree. And birds perched there in its branches. That's what the kingdom is like. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? Well, it's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dope. That's what this kingdom is like. Bow with me, church. God, as the disciples needed then, probably, so we also need now your Holy Spirit to help us draw meaning from those two metaphors. What in the world? Does mustard seeds and yeast have to do with the spread of your kingdom? To be honest, what we've read this morning doesn't seem all that flashy and doesn't seem all that attention-getting. And God, you know we live in a culture that is addicted to flashy and attention-getting. So we're asking you humbly, would you please bring clarity and hope to our lives through these words this morning as we try to make room in our lives for that very same kingdom? Our prayer is not just for these disciples, but also for those meeting at the Foursquare Gospel Church in Kerrville. Please help us all to be one, just as you and the Son and the Spirit are one. That truly the world might believe that your Son came and that he still continues to come. And we ask this humbly in Christ's name and everyone said. Now I know... Because of my extroverted personality, a lot of you might assume that when it comes to um, extending the kingdom, broadening the kingdom, deepening the kingdom in our lives, slash sharing my faith with others, however you want to hear that, maybe you would think I'd lean more towards the flashy and the attention getting, but you need to know that's not true. If you didn't know that already, it's just not true. Like many of you, I lean toward the simple and the low-key approach of trying to connect other people to Christ, which is why I love what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 13. I love the simple, low-key approach. I love Jesus saying, listen, it's going to be primary the little things 
that bring about my kingdom, that are, that are part of the nature of, of this kingdom growing on this earth. It's the, the freckle scale, if you will, like mustard seeds and how yeast works, both incredibly small, but both possessing qualities that produce amazing results. See, when you hear Jesus encouraging you to love your neighbor as yourself, as we've heard the last couple of weeks, as we focused in on neighbor as a part of this Home Depot series, when you hear your preacher encouraging you, do good in the neighborhood, I want you to keep these two parables in mind, all right? If you attach me personally with anything that has to do with soul winning, anything that has to do with reaching out and trying to connect people, or as our mission statement says, leading ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Christ, I need for you to connect with my life and my heart these two parables. Because what God is calling us to is much more subtle and behind the scenes than sensational, possessing billboard obvious overtones. I promise you. All of my ministerial life, I have wanted to see amazing results of the gospel making a difference in people's lives. But not just through any method. And I mean, there's a ton of methods, and you know many of them. I heard Paul's warning a long time ago when I was just getting into the Institute for Christian Studies. And I've tried to heed it all of my ministerial life. And here's what it was. It is God himself, in his mercy, who's given us this wonderful work of telling the good news to others about him so that we never give up. We have therefore turned away from secret and shameful ways. We use no trickery. We do not change the teaching of the word. We teach the truth plainly, showing everybody who we are. Then they can know in their hearts what kind of people we are in God's sight. I don't know how you hear that. But I don't want to be involved in any shameful or underhanded ways of sharing the gospel just to get results. I don't. But listen to me clearly. I want to share the gospel, and unless it gets results, I'm not sure we're sharing the gospel. I'm not. Now, I think we all want to see that. Not just a few that said amen there. I really do believe that. I think we all have heard this commission from the Lord. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. I think you know that's more than just for preachers. It's for every single one of us who've been wrecked by His grace and mercy, who are called disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and who are not just following, but are doing our best to create, connect other followers to this kingdom that we've been invited to. I really believe that most of you in this room would like to know how you do that. You'd love to be able to make sure that he's pleased in heaven with how you're living out your life in such a way as to be obedient to that commission he's made to all of us in his church. But you, like me, you don't want to be involved in something that's underhanded. You want to be involved in something that's shameful. You want to be involved in any kind of a method that... That's about getting me what I want, not what somebody else's needs. But I got to believe if there was a method, if there was a, a biblical, adaptable, repeatable, underscore this word, natural, not weird, way in which to do that, we'd be interested. 
we'd at least give it a hearing. Well, I found one. It's called bless. Just simply bless. I got to tell you, I have tried enough invasive, bordering on underhanded, and minimally really weird efforts to try to connect the gospel of Christ to people who don't know it. And I don't know about you, but I am frankly fed up with it, and I'm done with them. The worst in my life, when I was in high school, somebody came through standing in a place like this and whipped us all into a frenzy on a Sunday morning about how we need to go and fulfill the Great Commission because Christ came and he fulfilled his mission in us and he loved us and cared for us. What are we doing sitting in our pews and sitting in our houses? We need to go. And I said, okay, let's go. And the method that we were using that week was called the Open Bible Study. Now, I'm going to hit pause here and say, if God used the Open Bible Study to win you or someone from your family to Christ, praise be to God. If you were a part of using that simple study to, to reach out and to help people come to know Christ, then praise be to God. But i got to tell you, for me, it just didn't fit. All right? It just didn't fit. I didn't know anything better, so I said, sign me up, and buddy, out the door that we went. <laughs> we came to the first door, and somebody opened the door, and we had this prepared question that we were going to ask them. The question was simply this, do you believe that the majority of people are going to go to heaven or are going to go to hell? And like on the game show, the number one answer was heaven. We think most people are going to go to heaven. And we didn't carry one, but we might as well have carried a little taboo buzzer that said, eh, wrong. Because really that was the method of building a bridge into their lives and trying to set up a study. by. Because then our next question was this, could I read to you a verse of Scripture? Well, how's anybody going to turn that one down? And so here's what we read. Matthew 7, verse 13. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there are who find it. And broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there are who find it. And then my leader, who was trying to set up a study, asked this question. Does what the Bible say change your mind about your answer? And I really don't remember what most people said to that. Because I was already thinking, if I was answering, I'd say, I'm sorry I ever answered the door. <laughs> Didn't go back for the second day of soul winning. I couldn't. It just seemed so rude. It just seemed so invasive to step onto some stranger's doorstep and point out the very first sentence that, we're, that you're wrong. And the only reason why I tell that story is because if, if that's your experience or something like it with trying to reach out to people in the name of Christ, no wonder you want to do anything or have anything to do with trying to connect people to Christ here. I get that. I really do. I don't ever want to be involved in something like that again. I do want to share with you something this morning 
at least begin to. That's called bless. It's something that Gil and I have been involved with doing and living for the last couple of years of our lives in just the most subtle, behind-the-scenes way. You've never heard me speak of it in the first four years that I've been here as your minister. Because I'm not sure that it was time yet to let you know about something that has been one of the most impactful things in my life about how to simply and quietly share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I, I think in this series called Home Depot, you'll see why it fits really, really well. Because it really is aimed at loving your neighbor, your nearby. Those in your house, yes, but those right outside your door and across the street. If it makes sense, great. I pray that you use it like Gail and I are trying to use it. If it doesn't make sense, then I pray that you ditch it and you keep looking for something else. Or you come share with me how it is you're trying to make a difference in somebody else's life to win them to Christ. But here's what we're doing. B starts with this. Begin with prayer. Just begin with prayer. It's one of the most Jesus-like ways that I have found in my entire life to try to make a difference for him in this world is to start, no matter where we're talking, whether it be a teen mission trip, whether it be an elders meeting, whether it be a church service, to say, God, what do you want here? Glad that you're up there. Glad that you're in here. What do you want next? Begin with prayer. You might not be able to speak eloquently. You may not be able to sing beautifully. You may not be able to build homes masterfully like some of our teens are going to be doing. But every single one of us, I promise you, can pray passionately and effectively. Every one of you. Now, Satan would have you believe you're a prayer nincompoop. That's why you don't do it. Your prayers don't matter for anything, and that's just wrong. Hear the word of the Lord. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, you believe you've received it, and it will be yours. Now, I don't think that scripture applies to connecting you with an Audi A5 convertible. But I do think it applies to you connecting your heart with the person in apartment 5. If that's the desire of your heart, yay God. And I want to suggest you begin in trying to reach out to any neighbor that you have in your office, in your locker, specifically for our, our conversation today, across the street or next door to you. You begin with prayer. You start there. And here's why. I'm pretty practical when it comes to this, trying to reach out in the name of Christ to connect people to Christ. Because I like praying prayers that I know God's going to want to run to answering, that he's delirious about answering. And i got to figure that the ones he puts in prayer, especially connected to Jesus, are some of those. It's why almost every Sunday, almost, you hear me go, God, would you please help this ragamuffin band of disciples in Kerrville, Texas, get together and be one? Please. All right? I get that prayer because Jesus prayed it himself. And so I'm guessing if there's a prayer that God wants to try to answer for his kingdom, it has to be that one. And so you hear me to pray at And I don't know how many of you are praying it at home, but I'm encouraging you. 
If you want to pray things that you see answers to, pray the prayers that Jesus prayed in the scriptures or that he asked you to pray. And here's one of them. Send reapers into the harvest. He asked us to pray for that. Our staff does that quite regularly because we figure that's something that really God wants to answer if somebody will just ask him. And it's part of the reason why some of you just moved here. It's part of the reason why God's going to continue to bring people here is because you've got a group of people who's asking. Here's my question. Now that you know that, will you start helping us? Will you start asking? We could use a few more soldiers here in this army. Amen? We could. And so we pray that prayer. And then there's another prayer that we're trying to pray, and it's this one. It comes from Paul. It's kind of a roundabout way of of saying Jesus gave us a prayer, but here's what it says, devote yourselves to prayer, kind of a commandment language there, being watchful and thankful, and you pray that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Can you get behind that prayer? Can you pray that prayer for the people in your neighborhood? Can you pray that prayer for the people on your team? Can you pray that prayer for the people in your Rotary Club? Can you pray that prayer for, for those that you would like to either help deepen and mature their walk with Christ or help them to have a walk with Christ in the first place. I think we can. And I don't think there's anybody in the world who knows better how we can begin to make that bridge and that connection to someone else's life in a natural, not weird, not funky, not invasive way, but in a receptive way other than God. Just thinking. So that's where we begin. We begin with prayer. God, please open a door for us we could never open on our own. Never. Please help us lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. You said that's why you sent your son, so I got to believe that you're anxious to help us get about that business. And so forgive us for not asking for that more often. Now, maybe where some of you need to start is not necessarily with that prayer. Maybe where some of you, let's just be honest, need to start is, is Lord, I love you. I'm grateful for the things that you have given me in my life, but i got to be honest. I don't want anything to do with this soul winning stuff. I just don't. I mean, I, I've seen it. I've tried it. It's weird. It's invasive. Thanks, but no thanks. We're going to leave that one to the professionals. No. I know I ought to. No, I know I should. So would you please help change in me and create in me a heart that would even begin to want to? Because, God, I'm going to be honest, right now, I just don't have it. For some of you, that's exactly the prayer you need to pray because that's the prayer that God knows you pray without even talking to him about it. I don't mean that ugly. I've been there on occasions, all right? I've been so focused on me, myself, and I and what I want to get done. God... Sorry, they can get lost this week for all I care. I'm busy. If you've been there, I get that. So before I pray for an open door, maybe what I need to pray for is an open heart. But I can say this, that's where you need to start. Begin with prayer. And here's one of the things that I want to recommend. If you want to kind of extend that, and maybe take that outside of your home. I'm not saying go to the street corner and raise your hands and start praying. Don't do that. 
But you know what you can do? You can walk outside and just start walking up down your street and praying. They may think you're exercising, but you, in your heart, know you're evangelizing. I kind of like that. It's kind of covert. Kind of FBI, kind of CIA. You can do that. And as you walk up and down the street, you can be praying, God, give me eyes to see. Wow, I just saw how they got in and out of the car. It looks like one of them has had some surgery or something. I know how to pray for that. I see some toys in the yard. They've got some kids or some grandkids. God, I'm going to pray for that. Oh, church, if we just did nothing except that, our neighborhoods just got better because someone is intentionally there praying for that neighborhood who wasn't before. And either we believe that this prayer stuff works or let's go do something else. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. Our scripture tells us we have a God who can't wait to hear from us. And we can draw near to his throne with confidence, especially about the things that are a part of his will. And i got to believe that when he did send his son into this world to seek and save the lost, that's his will. And I don't want to shame anybody into this. I just want to remind you, we can do this. We really can. If a couple of us would believe this, I mean just a few. I'm not even talking about some big church thing we try. I've done that. With you guys even. With minimal results. I'm just talking to a few of you, like Jesus did, and saying, hey, think about it. Maybe, just maybe, Paul really meant what he said when he said this. From one ancestor, he made all the nations to inhabit the whole earth. God did. And he allotted, set aside specifically, the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live. Allah meaning Sukasa. 2112 Bluff Ridge, if you want to talk about mine. And I believe with all of my heart, it is no accident that I live next door to the Penlands. Now, they may think it's an accident, all right? But Gail and I have a God story behind that, and I know, because I've heard some of yours, this room is full of people that have God stories about how kind of uniquely they were placed where they live and about the time that they came to live there and on and on. I know the winners have a story. You ought to hear their story. Oh, my goodness. And some of you do, too. And it doesn't shed light on that being the truth. No, that's the truth, and hopefully that truth sheds light on where you live. God has placed you specifically where you are, believe it or not, it's up to you, to make a difference right where you are in those unique group of people that are around you called your neighbors. Isn't it interesting that God said, I need two things from you. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your nearby as yourself. And we've said in the last couple of weeks that nearby starts with home. That's discipleship central. That's where we begin with making disciples is in my own home and my family. But then we don't go very far. We just kind of kick open the front door and look out and go, well, looky there, neighbors. And they call this a neighborhood. Wonder if he'd like for us to love them. Yes, and not be like the Levite or the priest who's rushing off to some building somewhere to go love Jesus there. Now, how about if you just love the people that are right around you first? 
I'm looking forward to the day that somebody comes to me and says, sorry, Jim, can't come to the men's retreat. Our neighborhood has planning a camp, camp out, and i got to go there. Can't wait. I'm sorry, Jim, can't help you teach your class because I've got a Bible study with one of my neighbors that I've been loving on, and God just opened up enough doors, and, and we're meeting on Wednesday night to do that. Can you imagine? We can't even have a service here on Wednesday nights the building because we got people in neighborhoods having studies all over this town. Wow. Acts 17.26 says God has some specific spots that he's planned on you living because he needs a specific person loving those people and he's wondering if you'd be interested. You begin with prayer. Here's the second one. Remember I told you it's not invasive, it's not weird, it's not funky. Doesn't mean it's easy, especially for some of you out there. You already see in the word, right? Listen. Listen. James says, my dear brothers, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Please remember that when you're, when you're walking around your neighborhood and you're maybe seeing somebody at the mailbox because some of you, if you're not careful, you will not be a blessing to your neighbor. You will be a burden. And when they see you coming, they will turn tail and get in the house as quickly as they can because every time that you're around them, all you do is talk, talk, talk. The significant piece of this little method, if you want to call it that, this roadmap to how to connect people to Christ is because it's about the other person, it's not about me. You may not know this, but everybody out there has a story. Everybody in this room has a story. And you know what? They rarely ever get to tell it. Ever. You can be one of the few people in the world who ask a couple of questions that enable them to unfold that story and share that. And you know what? As soon as you do, wow, bridges start to be built. And the first question that you need to ask is this. I know we've passed each other for quite a few years, but what's your name? So the next time that I see you at the mailbox or next time I wave by, that I, I can use that name. And you know why that's important, church? Because our names, our names, when they're spoken, our ears cue in. If I said right now, Devin, if I said right now, Rick Sharala, see, he's asleep, so I had to use both of his names. Rick Sharala, if I said right now, Scott Stumbo, I have their attention on a level I have not had their attention before because our names are significant to us. They matter. And you know what? Regardless of whether I said any of those names, every one of them, y'all matter. You're significant. But you know what God would like to have is a few of his disciples who help raise the level of that significance in someone else's life when I mention their name. So would you listen in your neighborhood for people's names, your kids' names? You can do that. Again, you may not have a beautiful voice. You may not have eloquent speech patterns. You may not be able to masterfully build a house, but you can ask somebody's name, and you can use it. You can do that. You can listen. You really, really can. And once you've listened for their name, you can start to ask them a couple of other questions. How long you folks lived here? Really? What did you do for a living before you moved here? 
I, I noticed the, the toy trucks out in the yard. You got some grandkids? You got how many of those? Where do they live? Again, you may, may need to pray the prayer of David. Lord, set a guard over my mouth before you ask the first one. Pay attention to body language, and if you can see them doing this or shutting down or, or looking at their, I don't have a watch, but they're looking at their wrist. Uh, take note that maybe, maybe you're doing more of this than you are this. The reason why I love this is because it begins with prayer, and then it goes to listening. And it's amazing what happens when we start to listen to other people's stories. Next week, we're going to stop right there. Next week, every one of you who wants one of these, again, this is not an all-church project. We're going to make these available to a couple of you who would like them. But, but we're going to give you a, um, it's a Home Depot gift card. And on the back of it is simply this little acronym, BLESS. And it'll have all the words filled in for you in case you want to put this up on your refrigerator to help remind you that you can be a blessing in your neighborhood right where you live. But we'll talk about those other three next week. Here's how I want to end. Doggone it. I'm out of time. And um, that matters. So let me find my place and I'll move on. Let me wrap this up by talking about the end of the story with Danelle. I can come back next week and I can talk to you about how, this, how, how important little things are. Um, Danelle's trying to make contact with her neighbor. She has put together these cards a couple of weeks back. And um, she's been working on Bless. She went over to see her neighbors Tuesday night after having listened to Sportsman Sermon 30 times through. And she did more than just report to them about a bad dog. Here's what she wrote. Last year my neighbors moved in in the first part of the year, or this year they moved in at the very first part of the year. And I've waved to them a few times, had a few quick interactions with them, but not any conversation of any length. Amazingly, I have been able to have a very quick connection with their three-year-old son, Jake. Enough that whenever he sees me, he says, Hi, Miss Danelle. She writes, Well, I pulled into the driveway Tuesday night, and Jake came running to me, and he greeted me with his usual, Miss Danelle, Miss Danelle. But he also had Sonny in tow with him. I was glad to see half of them. Jake's mom was shortly behind them both, and after a brief hello, I launched into the sunny morning that we had. Did I mention that these are sweet neighbors? Both she and her husband were appalled that Sonny had invaded my space and attacked Hank like he had. They offered to cover all the damages to my home and to Hank in full. And they promised to find a way to keep Sonny at home. It was then that it dawned on me that for several months I had intended but never managed to tell them what a blessing it has been to have them move in next door. I'd thought about making my way over several times, but I'd always put it off because I thought I was bothering them. The house that they had moved into had been vacant for two long years. 
When they came to the neighborhood, they brought a light and a life that had been so sadly lacking for so long. And they truly have blessed me. But I've never found the time to tell them until Tuesday. They were taken aback when I did. And they had wrongly assumed that they were a nuisance and their noise and their activity had been bothering me. Well, my visit concluded, she says, with Jake taking me by the hand and giving me the full tour of their backyard oasis. Before I left, Jake's dad told me a story. He said, I just got to tell you one thing before you go. He said, about a month ago, Jake and I were driving by your house. We saw you outside working in the yard. And so I rolled down Jake's window so he could say his standard, Hi, Miss Donnell. And when he did, you waved back like you always do, and then we proceeded home. But he said, I will never forget what happened next. When I rolled up Jake's window, Jake let out the sweetest, longest sigh. And then finished it with, That Miss Donnell is just so cute. <laughs> Would y'all say that louder so that Donnell, she's not here today, can hear that when she gets back? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? that often when we seek to bless people, we're the ones who wind up being blessed. I think that's what you're gonna find, church. I think you'd hear that from Jesus, whom the scripture said for the cross set before him. He was willing to endure it because there was joy in that, for the joy, joy of the cross, he endured it for you and me. And he was blessed by it? Oh, yeah. Because he couldn't think about spending eternity without you in it. Are there some people that you can't imagine thinking about eternity without them in it? He's hoping so. And he is so hoping you won't do anything weird or funky or invasive, but that you'll just be a blessing to somebody. And I'm hoping if a few of you want to do that, we'll do it together. If you've come this morning and... Um, you needed a blessing. In some way, somehow, God has done that through the singing, through the prayers, through these kids being up here, and he's touched your heart, and, and you've got it like Danelle did. Maybe this is your 30th sermon on the topic, but finally you got it. I matter that much to God? Oh, yeah. And if you want to be baptized into his family today, we'll do that for you, right? It'll be the most memorable Memorial Day you ever had. And if you're here this morning and you'd like for a brother or sister to wrap their arms around you to say, would you pray for me to be, to be a better neighbor? Would you pray for me to open my heart to even care about my neighbors? Would you pray for me to have that open door so that I can begin to be a better neighbor? We'd love to do that. we got a song of celebration that we're going to sing that's going to be a song of challenge as well. But let's do it together as family. Let's stand. Let's sing, church.